0: to another Philanthropy Plugged In podcast, a series exploring the intersection of technology, gender, and giving. My name is Jeannie Sager, and I'm the director of the Women's Philanthropy Institute and your host for this podcast series. Today's episode is part one of a two-part mini-series created in partnership with CCS Fundraising. Lindsay Marcinak, Managing Director at CCS, and a proud alumna of the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy's sister school at Indiana University, the O'Neill School of Public and Environmental Affairs, will moderate the episode. Three dynamic panelists will join her for both episodes. We're fortunate that they were generous with their time in order for us to have two podcasts. Lindsay, welcome. We look forward to learning more about using technology to tell your story from you and the panelists. Thank you, Jeannie. It's truly an honor and a pleasure to be here
1: as part of this panel with these three esteemed panelists. Today in our first session, we'll be exploring the relationship of technology and organizational impact, drawing from trends and experiences in the industry, inclusive of the latest study from the Women's Philanthropy Institute, Women Give 2020, which explores giving and technology through a gender lens. We know from this report that women give more gifts than men online, and together, those online gifts account for nearly two-thirds of the total of all online giving. We also know from this research that technology enables all donors to give in the way that they would like. And it provides exposure to organizations that align with donor values and interests. Across the industry, we know that technology is a powerful tool to tell your story, to reach broad audiences, and to advance your organization's impact. To help illustrate these ideas and really bring these insights to life, We have three wonderful, thoughtful leaders joining us today. I'd like to turn it over to each of them for their own introductions.
2: Lena, we'll start with you. Hi, I'm Lena Sergiatar, founder and CEO of Kerem Foundation.
3: Hi, I'm Connie Falcone. I'm president of Northwestern Memorial Foundation, which is the philanthropic partner of the 10 hospital Northwestern medicine system.
4: Hello, I'm Dory McWhorter. I'm the CEO of the YWCA Metropolitan Chicago. Lena,
1: Connie, Dory, thank you so much for being with us today. As we dive in, our first question is about the intersection of technology and storytelling. How have you seen technology successfully used to amplify your storytelling with your members
3: and your donors? Connie, we'll start with you. Thanks, Lindsay. I think now more than ever during this pandemic that we call coronavirus and COVID-19, it has been imperative for us to think about storytelling around the strength of our health system. We've actually paused in asking for gifts and really used technology to get the word out that we're strong, we're open for business, you can trust us, that the, the strength of the healthcare site in your community is um of is there and valuable to you so we use social media and email as a way to really drive this message home Um, and as you can imagine the covid information is changing almost daily so we used email to reach out to all of our donors to refer them to our website Um, but then what we've seen is really using a picture um, as a way to tell the story via social media so instead of posting pictures of healthcare workers that are weary and exhausted, we're posting our healthcare heroes, smiling, helping patients. And I think probably the most successful post we've had recently is the sunset on the hospital, which essentially says, as sure as the sun is setting, we're here for you, Chicago. Connie, that's wonderful.
4: This is and I just love to, to jump in on that, that question. Um, what we've been doing at the YWCA Chicago is really focusing on the, again, we have first responders in the case, in the, excuse me, first line workers in the case that um, our folks are still out there delivering services, doing home visits, and and really um, because of the services we provide, we couldn't um, shut down. And so our approach has been, as we are seeing these, um, these amazing folks and, and helping and working them through their circumstances, how do we um, collect those stories in a way um, that's authentic to them instead of us? trying to talk about what they do and what they're experiencing. So one of the things that we've recently done is we actually got a new software called Gather Voices. And what Gather Voices is, it's a technology that we're able to um, send an email to folks with specific instructions that they can do a video on their phone and talk about um, what their experiences have been. So for example, we, as part of the... um, Uh, Chicago COVID response fund, we got funds to send to to get into the community right away. And we're seeing such great responses that these funds were needed and were just in the nick of time in a lot of situations. And so what we're doing as a follow-up, we're sending that um, the Gather Voices video cues to them so that they can now tell us how directly um, those funds impacted their lives, for example. And so what we're trying to do is continue to absolutely leverage video assets, but not in the traditional sense that we would go out with a film crew um, or send a film crew out to to capture stories of people's experiences with our work. But we're letting them do it themselves, um, not just because of COVID, by the way, just because it's actually, um, from our perspective, a good way to hear from them directly. and so um, being able to do that and being very deliberate about what that content is and um, having them participate in that storytelling process is really important to us as well.
1: Thanks Connie, thanks Dory. Certainly hearing the idea of photos, videos, and other technology platforms that allow for real-time information to be shared. We know that technology is a vital tool during times of uncertainty, during times of disruption, or in any other dynamic situations. So I'd love to understand, especially in the recent COVID-19 pandemic, how technology has been implemented to really help you keep your organization's mission at top
2: of mind. Lena, let's start with you. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Um, this is a big question, especially for an organization like Kerem Foundation. We're a small organization and we're focused on supporting Syrian refugee communities, both in the U.S. and abroad, specifically in Turkey. And so for us, being, having worked on the Syrian crisis, whether it's through um, following the war and working with the refugee um, with the refugee the global refugee crisis at the scale that it's been in has been quite a challenge and one of the uh, biggest parts of working in this is that we've always felt ourselves in uh, facing the crisis so when COVID-19 comes around then it's in, in some ways it's just another crisis that we have to face. And how do we actually help our donors and supporters understand that this is not something that's happening far away. It's not something that we shouldn't be caring about. That, but in, to the contrary, refugee communities and marginalized communities are being affected by this crisis more than other communities. And so we are all in this together and we need to be supporting refugees. On the other end of this, trying to figure out how to put our programs online and do distance learning and distance outreach to our families and the teenagers and the youth that we support in turkey was a challenge because we're working with communities that don't necessarily have access to a lot of technology and so one of the first things that we did was survey our communities and this is something that's essential to Kerem's mission and the way that we've done things from the beginning is first ask people what they need and then figure out how to actually offer that. So um, we, we did that first and it was our first time actually figuring out what the technology needs were across the board in our communities and what challenges they were facing in light of staying at home, social distancing, um, which is actually very, very difficult for refugee communities. And we found that we were, there was a lot of support we had to do in terms of creating spaces of community uh, using technology when we no longer had our physical centers in Turkey open for people to gather in. And then the other piece was figuring out also how to deal with elements of trauma that came up as well because of the social distancing and becoming um, farther apart. And we found that focusing on wellness within our team and wellness, uh, mental wellness within our communities that we serve were actually very key. So all of these things we weren't necessarily prepared for, but because we'd been working in crisis mode for so long, we had that mindset of being flexible and being able to think differently out, of, out from the beginning to face this crisis um, in the ways that it needed to be. And obviously this is still an evolution. So there's no,
4: we didn't start, we started in one place and we're learning as we go along. So uh, as Lena was talking about, um, Um, the work that she's doing with refugees. Um, I'm reminded at um, the YWCA Chicago, um, how we're also focusing on communities that have been very much disenfranchised all along. um, But at the same time, how this situation that we're in today really highlights the the needs of our work. And so we we like to say that um, uh, chaos is a playground for creativity. And really helping us think about how do we um, not only deliver services, but continue to engage um, folks around us to have them understand what we're actually up to um, during this time. So we've been doing a a few different things. I think Lena mentioned how... um, leveraging technology to continue to deliver services and that's something we're absolutely doing but it's actually actually forcing us to to really examine our services and ask how do people want our services um provided to them i think that the folks are um that typically haven't um engaged with us virtually are now doing that and we're able to leverage some tools for example our um uh telecounseling tools we're we're leveraging those more Um, but what we learned even some of from that experience is that there there uh, there are folks that clearly still want to see us in person so we've been talking about how we bring those folks back into the fold um, to be able to to provide the service the way they would like to see it Um, and then on the i would i would say outside of our direct clients and even thinking about our donors we have been able to um um, Think about what do they need as well during this time so one of the things that we created is what we're calling social distancing assembly and it's a series of events that we have where um, our other supporters can tap into so last night we had a, a zoom yoga class that core power did for us um, in a couple days we're actually having one of the restaurants um, that have supported us in the past they're doing an online cooking demonstration and they're also giving for everyone who signs up, they're giving them um, a gift card to purchase food from their restaurant during this time as well. And so it's just been a variety of opportunities that we've had to leverage technology to not only deliver our services, but also engage with our our donors a little differently. The other um, thing that we did just um, last week we were able to host a fashion event um, with our donors. We One of our um, supporters is also a small business owner and um, her store is clearly closed and so she actually shipped out um, clothes to about three of our donors that they could try on and they modeled in their living room for us while then she talked about the clothes and so we actually had 70 women show up and we heard a lot of, we needed that and we we needed to be together. We enjoyed this. So something that sounds so frivolous, perhaps as shopping was a great engagement activity for us. And actually we had more people, I believe, show up virtually than we would have had if we had an in-store event. Um, So it was just phenomenal to see how technology allowed us to not only engage with these supporters, but we actually had supporters across the country um, participating as well because um, of the technology clearly. But also for those um, moments, we were able to talk specifically about our work and our impact so that it was yes about fashion and um, being able to support the organization by buying clothes, but also it gave us an opportunity to talk specifically about what we were doing, how we were impacting the communities and the clients that we're working with, and then also tell the story of how we have this woman small business owner as well that we're also able to support by that event. So it's, it's been fascinating to see the ranges of ways that we've been able to use technology to continue to demonstrate our impact and create that impact at the same time.
1: That's fantastic. And a theme that. I'm hearing both from Lena and Dory is the ways that technology provides new opportunity. You've been able to gather early feedback, you've been able to learn from that, and then adjust. So, now as we look forward, how will you continue to leverage technology to advance and grow your
2: organization and your
1: impact?
2: Lena? Yeah, that's a great question and something that's been on my mind quite a bit since this uh, crisis started, and it comes also from that point of view of thinking of uh, challenges as opportunities for growth. We don't know what the world will look like at the other end of this crisis. We know that there will be another end to it. And there will be an end to it and there'll be another side to it. But uh, life will not go back to what we knew. We, and it shouldn't because we should learn from what has happened and what is happening to us to be able to gain uh, the different perspectives and the things as a positive in terms of how do we move forward with our work? How do we move forward serving communities and what have we learned from this challenge to move our work forward? so one of the things specifically for us, you know we built two karam houses in Turkey, and there are pride and joy as, a, as refugee community centers for both families and teenagers living in Turkey, uh, we've, we people can't access the physical space anymore and everything has gone online. So the kids have been doing things like social media interactions, challenges on, on Facebook and on Instagram to continue their design-based learning. We've also been doing work with the families that we support in terms of helping the parents with distance learning with their children, which is especially difficult for refugees living in a foreign country. And now their kids are not attending school every day. So there are certain things that we've been learning throughout this crisis that I expect at the other end of this is that we'll have a huge opportunity in the sense that our team, our team of mentors and our staff who are actually all Syrian refugees themselves living in Turkey who deliver the programs will have become experts at delivering programs online and doing distance learning and doing this kind of high-tech, high-tech workshops and studios um, through, through technology then we would be able. We're not going to be limited anymore to the people that could actually physically come to our spaces. We'll be able to have access to communities that, for instance, did weren't able to access our spaces in both southern Turkey and in Istanbul, and it could even go beyond that to different cities that we don't have a physical presence, and maybe even different countries. So I think that the limitations that we've had, we we thought we had before, kind of were taken away from us because of this this crisis, and I do. See that as a big opportunity for growth and scaling, perhaps in a different way than we were thinking about scaling before. We, uh, before this crisis started and in terms of reaching to our donors it's the same thing you know um, having to travel and meet donors and, and supporters face to face having to have these kinds of events um, I think we're hearing from Dory really really creative ways of engaging with your supporters doing this now and learning how to do it in the future means that we can have access to supporters in a way that we never thought possible before so I definitely think of this as a, as a time to learn and is a time to take advantage
3: of these kinds of experiences to create opportunities for growth. And and I, this is Connie, I completely agree with uh, Lena and Dorian, have really enjoyed hearing how they're utilizing this new virtual world to really uh, reaffirm the connectivity with the people benefiting from their programs and their donors. And I think we're no exception. And one of the things that this really extraordinary time has allowed us is to play in the sandbox, to um, really to be creative because it's, it's almost low or no risk. Uh, I think, though, one of the things we're really focused on from a donor standpoint is how can we leverage our back-end technology to really understand our donors and have that inform our front-end move? So um, in my case, most of our donors, a good 75, 80% of them are grateful patients of the healthcare system and their families. Well, people that access healthcare tend to skew a little older. So we're not on TikTok. You're not going to see, you know, pump up dance moves to engage our donors. We really have to meet them where they are. And I think that that's, it's important to have that uh, organizational knowledge, that deep organizational knowledge and understanding of your donors in order to inform that, the front end digital work that you're doing and those strategies. So um, we, we definitely are, are really trying to think outside the box on how you engage uh, older donors via technology. And um, most certainly, of course, I found email driving people to a web page as the most successful plan for us right now. But we are looking to find new ways to engage that are not black tie sit down dinner events and um, are really relying on the creative events team that we have to come up with those new ideas. And I am going to steal ideas from Lena and Dori because your, your, uh, what you've talked about today is just really, I've taken so many notes. I'm so excited for both of you and, and really have enjoyed hearing about your creative thoughts in connection, connecting.
1: Absolutely. Connie, Lena, Dori, you've each shared so many wonderful insights thus far. As we wrap, what is one piece of advice you would offer to our listeners on how best to leverage technology for
2: communicating? Lena, we'll start with you. Yeah, this is a great question. Um, I think that when this all started, I think one of the things that happened to me personally as the leader of this organization And it's happened before, you know, at different times in the Syrian crisis, when things get really, really bad, your first tendency is to say, you know, I can't do anything, and you feel very paralyzed, and you feel that we shouldn't be almost talking about anything right now, because you're not, you don't, you feel like you're not ready, or you feel sometimes that maybe people aren't ready, and is it appropriate to share, you know, the things that your organization is going through when so many bad things are happening that are affecting many, many people. People. and i think with covid it actually that was times 100 because suddenly the whole entire world was in a crisis and that's something that we have not seen before and so our, your first instinct is to say let's just stay small and not talk about a lot of things right now because everybody's going through so many things and in in reality the actual opposite is what needs needed to happen and you know very quickly we realize that people need to know what's going on in a time of uncertainty They're looking to us for that certainty in your mission, certainty in your vision, and certainty that the programs that you create, you've create, you created and people have invested in are continuing despite the obstacles, and your team also, and the people that you serve need to understand in this time that they're living of uncertainty, that, they, that their work will continue, and that the services will continue. So I think what we've learned really quickly is stay authentic to your voice, authentic to your mission, and over-communicate as much as possible, whether it's with your supporters, your donors, your team, your, your actual community that you serve. And people want to know what are, what's the plan? What is going on? How are you making it work? Um, what has changed? What are the difficulties? So many of my conversations with our, with our major donors have been all about you know what, what are the difficulties because they're coming to it knowing that those difficulties are there. So again, in, the, in a way, you find these moments of opportunity because you're put in a situation where everybody knows things are not going well and it's up to you to show you know what are you doing to make the best of the world the worlds that uh, that you're creating in in the context that you have so I definitely think that communicate as much as possible use all the kinds of technology that you have you know emails I've heard emails a lot and updating your website Um, creating more frequent newsletters more frequent social media connections and honestly to a a big degree the old-fashioned technology of the phone call is huge people want to hear your voice they want to hear you talk to them for the first time you have people who have time to talk on the phone and they welcome it so you know take advantage of the phone call take advantage of the handwritten note those things never get old but they're extra appreciated in this time of social distancing so it's a way of communicating in a very authentic way. Thank
1: you, Lena. And to that point about the one-on-one phone calls, we will be diving into this in greater depth for the second session of this panel series. Connie, let's go to you next. What one piece
3: of advice do you have? I believe in the saying that you have one mouth and two ears for a reason. You should listen twice as much as you talk. So my advice is listen to your donors or to your program beneficiaries and use technology to approach them in the best way for your organization. What works for Lena and Dory might not work for me, so it's best to listen to your your constituents and your stakeholders. Thank you. Dory? Well, my fellow panelists said it best, but
4: I would just say ditto to everything they said, and I think that I would also add Um, that we can't be afraid to use the full range of technology that's including low-tech, as Lena mentioned, the handwritten notes, all the way to other higher-tech technologies, like I mentioned, with Gather Voices. And I I think that we just should be able to explore the full range of technology. Um, And of course, let that be driven by our donors and our clients and our members, um, because they know how to engage best for them. And so I, I would also add, just don't be afraid to try things. I I mean, most of it we can take back <laughs> from a digital perspective. Some of it's permanent, but most of it we could take back. But, um, but don't be afraid to try things, right? Explore. This is the time. And I think that there's a lot of forgiveness happening right now. So um, you might as well try things that you may not have thought before. Excellent. Thank
1: you, Connie, Lena, Dory, for your amazing insights, for your time and your thoughtfulness. Thank you to the Women's Philanthropy Institute and the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy for your excellent research and insights to help guide us as we navigate the ever-changing world of technology and philanthropy.
0: Thank you, Lindsay, Lena, Connie, and Dory for joining us today. What an insightful conversation. You have shared creative ways that technology can amplify a nonprofit story and engage donors and the broader community in the organization's mission. Storytelling has long been extolled as an essential part of a nonprofit's communication strategy. You have reinforced that message and shown how to leverage technology in positive and productive ways. This episode is part of WPI's Philanthropy Plugged In podcast series exploring ideas around technology, gender, and giving. Tune in for the second part of this two-part series, which explores the technology relationship life cycle. Please check out the Philanthropy Plugged In website, wpisymp.iupui.edu, for more information about our activities and other podcasts in this series. For Philanthropy Plugged In, I'm Jeannie Sager. Thank you for listening. Philanthropy Plugged In is a production of the Women's Philanthropy Institute at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy at Indiana University Purdue University at Indianapolis. Music is provided by Localize.